What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. How are you doing? Hopefully you're doing well. I am really excited for today's episode. Hopefully you had a chance to check out the conversation with Jonathan talking about what we're building over here. I love sitting down with him and, and getting some perspective on where his head is at and sharing that with you. Today's episode, I'm talking to a marketer. I'm getting nostalgic a little bit, talking about the old days of working at Exact Target. I got a chance to sit down with one of my former teammates, Liz Prue. And we talk about content, building content, distributing content. The thing that really touched me was some of the old memories of Exact Target. I remember Liz coming on board and going through the hiring process. And man, did we grind it out together. We sat there. We were getting the, we were on the RFP team and RFP team was no joke. The amount of inbound RFPs that were coming our way on a weekly base was, basis was astounding. Top brands. And we were learning on the fly. We were trying to learn how do we position our solution for them? How do we manage expectations within enterprise salespeople? It was a good feet to the fire experience in B2B marketing. And that's where we really cut our teeth in learning how to build and develop content. So she was a no-brainer first person I had to get on the show to talk about how she's doing content at not only her passion project where she's doing big things, which that's pure fandom. Go check that out. You'll learn more about it. Um, But also she's the VP of marketing at Base, and it's a really cool product for executive assistants. I'm so thrilled to have her on. I'm so excited and fired up about how she's building content and distributing it to the market. You're going to enjoy this one. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everyone. Welcome to the 3C Podcast. I am really fired up for today's guest. I think the world we live in when we're all digital all the time, we just run into issues. And so I was dealing with some issues before we jumped on. Uh, Zoom, it's what we live and breathe by, but uh, it was failing me this morning, but I'm glad we're up and running. I'm excited for today's guest, uh, Liz Prue. Liz and I have a history of working together. We kind of, we worked, I don't know how long ago it was, but it seems like forever ago at this point, but we're back chatting and I figured, you know, starting off this podcast, she's doing some amazing things in the B2B marketing space. So I felt like she would be an awesome guest to talk content. Liz, without further ado, how are you doing? Happy Friday. I'm doing great. Happy Friday. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Usually I'm usually I'm the the moderator or running the podcast. And it's so nice to be like, I don't have to have notes up. I mean, I did prepare for this because I'm taking this very seriously, but it's just nice to be the guest. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's okay if you don't take it seriously too. I think that's completely okay. I think the one thing as I was thinking about uh just exact target days and I remember you going through the interview process and after we were all done talking with you, everyone kind of, you know, how we all do the powwows and it's like, what do you think? What is your perspective? And everyone was just like so much energy, so much enthusiasm. And that's something I think that you've yeah, that's just kind of your brand and what you, uh, how you carry yourself. So like, where does that like energy and enthusiasm with like how you live your life, where does that come from? Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't even know, like my parents. So my parents got married spring break, senior year of high school because they're insane. They're still together today. 
for good old fashioned Irish Mexican Catholic family. They pumped out a bunch of kids and my childhood was nuts. Like my dad, so to bring it, to bring it to, to tech and make this like super relevant. My dad is hilarious. He's that dad that like, he doesn't really know. Like, I don't think he is sure of how to turn on his computer. Like he'll call me or Eric, my husband or one of my brothers, but he has to have the newest thing. Like I was the first kid in my school to have the first iPod. I remember getting it for Christmas and we were like, what, what is this? And he was like, no, Liz. Like, he's like very Chicago. He was like, Lizzie, this is the thing. The guy said, you can put all your music on it. It's fantastic. And we were like, I don't like, okay. So we had like the first, I, we still have it. We had the first iPhone, just like all the things. I remember when PlayStation two came out. So I, I think it's, it's safe to say this because it's been some time. My dad, like we had to have it. I have three little brothers. We're gamers to this day. And it was sold out everywhere. And then like two days before Christmas, he like paid some high schooler at Best Buy to pull a reserved one from the back so we could have one Christmas morning. And like to this day, we're like, okay, some poor child did not get their PlayStation 2 on Christmas, but like we had a great Christmas. So we're just a very, we're a very um, enthusiastic, we love exploring, trying new things type family. So I don't, I guess that's where it stems from, I think. Yeah. And, and it, and it, it, uh, the enthusiasm was brought to, I was thinking about this. So we, we build and we were developing content at that time. It wasn't maybe the sexiest or most exciting content, but you know, you, you and I were on a team creating or responding to RFPs from enterprise companies all over the world and working with salespeople. So that, that I think, as I was trying to tick and tie everything together, it's like, we met creating content. We met doing RFPs. Yes. Uh, which I mean, which is wild. Have you thought about that experience in a while? And just like how that was like, to me, that was like my first step into content. hundred percent. Like I, this, no joke this week, my boss was like, so we're working on this RFP. You have some experience with RFPs. And I was like, girl, you don't even want to know. <laughs> how many RFPs I have done. Like if anyone ever complains about an RFP, I'll be like, you have no, you have no idea. We used to do, I mean, like you, you didn't exaggerate at all. I remember working on, yeah, like fortune 500 company enterprise RFPs. And these things were like 200 questions. I mean, we've seen it all. What they would come in word docs, Excel docs, weird banking portals. Like, and I came up like, so when I started at exec target, you know, I was, I just graduated from college in the middle of a recession. I was a server trainer at PF Chang's and I was trying to piece this together for this podcast where I'm pretty sure I became aware of exact target because PF Chang's was an ET customer. And because I was a server trainer, they had like an exact target portal. The indie restaurant was like a flagship or something. And I didn't know what exact target was. And someone was like, no, they're like across the street. Like they're here in town. And I was like, well, I'm getting kind of sick of bartending. I want to try something new. And that's how I applied an exact target. But yeah, that was my first foray into content that and my blog, which I didn't even realize I was at the forefront of like the whole Buzzfeed boom with content. It just kind of like happened. I totally remember the PF Chang story now that you you jogged back my memory. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's amazing, but kind of just shows like, your hustle mentality and just what, how you've built and developed your career. I definitely want to talk about your current role and want to talk about base and let everyone know what base is and, 
and, and kind of what you're doing there. But I would love to start with kind of your true passion and just as an observer watching from afar, what you've grown, built and developed with pure fandom. So maybe brief the audience on pure fandom because it's all content based. So I think we can get into the B2C side of it and then we can bring it into just like B2B side with what you're doing at base. Totally. And I think um, it's still my my little guinea pig today. I wouldn't have a lot of the ideas that I've had for base without pure fandom. So it started as graduated from college. You know, I couldn't get a job anywhere. And I was me and my best friend. We were obsessed with TV like everyone just I mean, I've always been like I, I remember I think my earliest memory is going and seeing Jurassic Park in the theater. Like I just I love movies and TV. And so we, um, we loved the vampire diaries and true blood because I just, I'm like a forever vampire stan. Like vampires are always cool. I don't care what anyone says. They're amazing. So we started blogging. I think it actually started out as emails. We would email each other recaps and they were comedic based of vampire diaries and true blood. And then my girlfriend made a Tumblr and she was like, look, I made a blog so we can, we can do this. And then we didn't realize people started reading it and people were commenting and they were like, these are really funny, but like, why are there two recaps? Like, cause they didn't get, we were recapping the show to each other. It was very weird. Like this is not good content marketing, but whatever we were bored. So then we made a Twitter and we started doing joint recaps and writing together and it was still off. Teen Wolf started trickling in at that time, but it was more so True Blood and Vampire Diaries. And then one day I got an email. I remember I was at Exact Target and I got an email from an editor at Entertainment Weekly. And she was like, hey, I, I don't know if this is Team TSD, which used to be our name. Oh, Again, yeah. Terrible branding. <laughs> team, team Teen Supernatural Dramas. <laughs> like so lame. So she was like, I don't know if this is Team TSD, but I found it on your website and it was team teen SD at yahoo.com because that's how tech savvy I was. But she said, you guys are the number one influencer on Twitter for true blood. And we want you to come write for us and launch our community blog. And I was like, few questions, like what's an influencer. And like, I don't understand. Also, are you actually entertainment weekly? So this woman is still a mentor to me to this day. She's my editor. We launched the community at Entertainment Weekly, and this is when BuzzFeed was like cranking out content. And this is when, you know, GIFs, which yes, I pronounce it GIFs because that's how the guy wanted it to be pronounced. And it, yeah, it was just wild because Entertainment Weekly, which they reverted back to this a little bit, they're more, they're very seasoned, traditional journalists, not a lot of images in their, you know, they're, I mean, they're professional entertainment journalists. Like I very much respect what they do. And, um, so we launched the community blog where we, where we remain top contributors and we were cranking out all these funny recaps and all this stuff. And then that kind of trickled away and I became a staff or yeah, I was, no, I was an author for entertainment weekly for a while. And my girlfriend and I were like, this is really fun, but I'm not recapping any of the shows I want. Like I recapped this show called resurrection and it was about like <laughs> this little boy who came back from the dead. And it was just like, and I would just like hate on it. And you could tell that I was like very angry. And so I said, you know what? Screw this. Like, let's just launch our own website. Let's turn our blog into a pop culture site, launch pure fandom. And the goal to 
make it successful was to find like micro influencers like us that didn't have a platform where they could write about what they truly wanted and just give them everything they needed. Like, do you need a mic? Do you want to do a podcast? We'll ship you a mic. Do you want to do a YouTube channel? Cool. We'll set you up with that. We'll do your branding, like basically anything you want. And it worked. I have people writing that have been writing for me for like 10 years. It's a very, we don't do any gossip, like no news, none of that. Like it's pure, just like professional fandom geek outness. It keeps it fun. So what, what I'm picking up on all this, I think the first thing is just like the passion, right? You have to have some passion on, on this topic in order to go and do everything you've done with it and still stay in the game. But then just on the content side, it seems like you're on the, the, the cusp, uh, right in the coattails of just like the boom happening. And, and I think what's interesting is just the micro influencer piece where you're leveraging different individuals who share in the same passion, who maybe don't have the necessary resources to be kind of the distribution channel for the content. And I would assume is probably part of the whole pure fandom brand at this point, right? Absolutely. And I think it, I didn't realize how lucky we were where I'm not super web savvy, but I can build I can build a solid WordPress website, but I'm fortunate enough to be married to a product guy. And so he built all of our websites and, you know, whereas it would cost me thousands upon thousands of dollars for someone to do that. So I think it was, we were just really lucky to where we have, I mean, I'm proud of our website. It looks sick as hell. Like it's cute. You know, it looks, people think we're, we're like an actual, like pure fandom has a building somewhere. It's like, no, it's just a couple <laughs> of moms that, you know, still geek out over vampires. But the, the micro inf- influencer piece was key. And I've carried that strategy through. So before I started with base, I was a consultant with a lot of high alpha companies and, uh, and other tech companies as well. I use that strategy all the time. The, and it's good for scale. That's the key thing too. Like, how do you, Cause it got to the point to where for pure fandom, I was recapping like four shows a week, which you watch the show, you recap the show, you optimize the article, you push out the article, you do it. Like it just takes forever. And so in order to keep up with that and to scale, it's like, you have to bring in, you either have to switch up what you're doing or you have to bring in more people, but bringing in more people isn't always, I mean, we don't pay ourselves or anything, you know, we do it for fun. So we didn't have to worry about hiring or budgeting or any of that. I love that. And I think just a good lesson for anyone out there. um, And I feel this as I just joined Fathom in the new company and I had spent COVID just working on a passion project myself around sports cards, spinning up a podcast, doing the whole social media thing, connecting with people from all over the world. And Liz, as I hear you talk about pure fandom, a lot of the things that I'm working on with stacking slabs, my sports card brand, I hear in what you're doing. And I think just like this whole, like, although it's kind of B to C play, leveraging those B to C tactics in the B to B marketing space is completely okay. In fact, they're probably going to work and probably going to be more effective. I guess, what what is your thoughts on, on just that, that topic in general? Well, so I started to run... I guess I'll start with ads. So in running, I used Pure Fandom a ton as a guinea pig for my clients. Like, okay, if I'm running Facebook ads, like how do I want to do this? What do my audiences look like? It started to become, I mean, they're not 
it's hard to compare because, you know, you're targeting people that like Star Wars films versus people that, you know, are interested in consolidating their SaaS tools. Like it's a little different, <laughs> but still, um, I think what I learned was how to optimize appropriately. And so, whereas a lot of these B2C tactics, people are like, oh, well, it won't work. It won't work. I mean, optimize kind of your an example would be like with base. So we started doing these live streams and I know you want to get into this, but we started doing these live streams to our Facebook community. And whereas for branding, it's great. We are missing that conversion piece. Like how do I leverage that to get people inside of the app? How do I get them to sign up for the product? And so we started these, um, and these live stream events, you know, we'll have an influencer in the space. We keep it very non-salesy, but following that, we always have an event like quick 20 minutes, you know, nothing like we actually have one today because we had um, an EA from Salesforce on yesterday. And what we're doing today is, Hey, all that great shit that she talked about yesterday, we're going to show you how you do that using base today. And so it also, I think it requires a little bit of extra work and optimization. If you're taking these B2C strategies and applying them to your B2B business. But what I find interesting about taking those strategies is that they seem a little bit more, and I know this is a buzzword, but whatever they, they're a little bit more disruptive and mm-hmm. they can make you stand out a little bit, I think more than others. Yeah. Just doing the status quo stuff. So before we dive too deep into that, I want just so the audience has some perspective, maybe talk about what base is doing and talk about the audience that base is serving and the community you're building. Who are these people? So base is the first ever platform built for assistance. And we were founded by Paige McFeely, uh, co-founder, Jeremy White, who's our VP of product. Um, and Paige founded a agency, 33 Vincent. And through this agency, it's like a boutique assistant agency. And she's, she found it like baffling that assistants didn't have a dedicated platform for their own. And it really is crazy after digging into this, especially after starting, you know, drafting pitch decks and all of that assistants work in tens of tools a day. Like we all do as marketers too, but they're having to, none of them are their own. Like they're working in CRM tools, task management tools, Jira, like they're in all these different tools and they have no place to manage all of the updates that they have to do or, you know, information they have to digest to provide to their executive and so she founded Base and the product's super slick. I love it. We target executive assistants, administrative professionals. And it's been really interesting as a marketer. And this is why I left consulting to work for them full time. It is so much fun. One, because we definitely have a defined audience, which is just great. But I have never seen an audience so thirsty for knowledge, like just and so engaging. Like they, Truly, like when you put up a professional development course or when you have a webinar on, you know, hey, how to hone this skill. I mean, I have hundreds of people signing up and they're super engaged. And even even with pure fandom, I'm like, I've been trying to get people to talk to me about The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones for the last like 10 years. And like, no one will comment on my tweets. And it's just, it's very invigorating. And it's just, it's so exciting. I, I love I love this audience and everyone's, I I think, and this is part of, you know, a more of like the whole future of work thing, but every knowledge worker needs access to an assistant. Like I just have 10%, not even 10%, like 5% of my CEO's assistants, attention and assistance. And it, 
literally makes all the difference. Like it's, it's incredible how strategic they are. I love that. Can, can you maybe talk about the, I, I, another kind of buzz, buzz strategy that is everywhere now is just like this, you know, which I know it's been around for a while, but it just seems like it's picking up steam and traction. It's just like this whole product led growth movement. And I know that's something that base is attaching itself to. So can you maybe just talk about like product led growth and, and being a doing marketing and doing what you've been doing in SaaS your entire career and how it might be a little different from a marketing perspective with uh, PLG? Yeah, I, so I've always been in a sales support role you know, with RFPs. And then I went into what was called a client advocate position where I helped manage escalations. And so there was like the whole project management piece, but it was about, you know, saving accounts. And so I was always tied to some sort of sales support. And I did the same with a lot of my clients when I was consulting and with PLG, it's, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I'm still like, (laughs) I am by no means an expert. Don't understand it. Don't get it. Um, But we're trying fake it till you make it. And so I think when we were in a really interesting position because I started with base consulting again and then came on full time, like the week COVID hit. And so for a lot of people and assistants, you know, a lot of people were furloughed or lost their jobs or they're traditionally sitting right outside their executive's office and they can just peek over, say, Hey, do you need this? Hey, do you need that? Now they're a hundred percent remote executives are so incredibly hard to get a hold of in general. And now you're, you know, all at home, you're trying to manage everything. Probably over 50% of what they were managing was travel. They're still not doing that. So it was almost like we had to pivot any sort of messaging that we had also get them in the app. Uh, how do we get them to pay for it? If they've lost their job, like it was just, it was really hard. So we kind of took a step back and said, okay, we have all these new features rolling out. We're going to roll out a free version. And the impetus behind the free version was let's just get people in the tool and loving it. And we'll figure out what those, those pricing, you know, conversion points are later. So we decided, okay, we're, we had all these features. We rolled out freemium, like let's do, let's, we need to have some sort of like event, like let's do something. People are burned out on virtual events already, but we still need to do something. And in the assistant space, nine times out of 10, these events cost a lot of money. Like they're never free. So we were like, you know, me as a marketer, I'm like, ungate all the content. We're making this free. Let's do this. So I sourced a crap ton of influencers and partners and said, Hey, we're putting on this free event. It's called empower 2020. It's an event for assistance. I'm going to stream it to a Facebook group. We'll also stream it to YouTube. So everyone has access in some way or another. And we ended up having like 4,000 registrants, I mean, the group was like bopping all day. Like it was just, it was so much fun. And we said, okay, well that worked. And the reason we picked Facebook groups too, I told you about this before, was that's where a lot of the assistant communities are. And that's where they mainly play, which is why we picked that. So always go to where your audience is first and then figure out what you need to do. So then we said, okay, these events are working. Let's just continue hosting weekly live streams and let's just keep them engaged. Let's keep nurturing them. And we probably have around an average of, depending on who it is, 500 to 1,000 registrants per live stream, which I try to get them to register. That way, you know, it's all about about that customer journey, that J word. I want to track what they're going to. 
So sometimes it's more than that because if they're in the Facebook group, you know, they'll get the alert that we're live, even if they didn't register same with YouTube. So we have that. And, um, I always have someone from our product team or design team in the chat. So we're always answering questions. And like we, when we have these base demos too, like people are, they're actually participating, which, you know, as a SaaS marketer, I'm like, oh my God, like this never happens. Like, this is amazing. So it's, I think that now where we're, what we're trying to figure out is that like everybody, you know, the growth and retention piece, like how do we really make these roll up to what our, you know, our OKRs and all that, all that jargony stuff. Yeah. The, the, the thing I love about the concept and the strategy is uh, focusing in on providing value and giving back, focusing in on doing something in the arena where your audience already is. And also Mm -hmm. I think too, just with the live streaming deal, I mean, that is undeniably, and I'm getting back into like the B2B marketing to marketer space. And so I'm observing and seeing what other people are doing. Um, and I haven't really seen too much of it, but like I look at other industries undeniably like live streaming is where it's at. It's like mega trend. Everyone's doing it. So I think it's cool that you're capitalizing on that trend. What can you say to people that maybe, and it's comfortable to you and it's something I know you've done for a while, but what can you say to other, to other marketers listening about like stepping in the live streaming game? Like, what are some tips or recommendations? Um, because I know it, it can be scary to some. Totally. And just as a preface, I, so I, whenever we can do comic cons again, I moderate at comic conventions through the pure fandom thing. I moderate virtual live streams right now. So I do recognize I have, you know, quite a bit of experience in it, but if you are starting firstly, the tool restream is amazing, even though of course, their Facebook connection was down yesterday during my live stream, <laughs> you know, so, such as life with the tech, but other than that, love them. Um, and so, and the reason, well, and also the reason behind live streaming is, you know, you can push out a crap ton of content at scale. And that's why we use it because podcasts, as you know, Brett, they, they take quite a bit of time to edit. They take quite a bit of time to refine. So if you're working, if you're, you know, trying to reach thousands of people, you're, like we have a community with thousands of people. I'm trying to keep up with demand too. And like the precedent we set with the type, how much content we crank out. So I would say with live streaming, and this may be getting too nitty gritty. So cut me off if so. Get, 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 in, good, get in the weeds, get in yeah, the weeds. Get yourself a good mic. My husband bought me a new audio um, Technica for Christmas and I love it. You can get one for under a hundred bucks. Make sure you have all the dongles. I have like a dongle library, like buy any and all dongles. Um, make sure that you test everything out, always hop on at least 45 to 30 minutes before. And if you're moderating too, and Brett, you're such a good host, by the way, you're fantastic. Um, Thank you. I wish someone told me this and I'm so glad that they did when I first started moderating, because I'm assuming if you're going to start live streaming, you're going to be hosting guests and doing all these things. This guy, he was at wizard world, uh, conventions and, when we were first starting, my co-founder and I was first starting to moderate. We're like, what are, what are these tips? You know, if I'm hosting, whether it's, you know, on a live stream or a podcast or on the stage. And he was like, all right, first tip, no one gives a shit about you. 
you are completely irrelevant. Your job is to make sure your guest is comfortable, things are running on the back end, and you know, you're fielding, if you're in person, fielding inappropriate or whatever um, questions. And so that was that was really good advice just in terms of hosting something. Uh, is that, you know, you're not the star. The star is who you are bringing on, <laughs> which is, That's, which for me is hard as you know me, like I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll at least be self-deprecating in that is that, yeah, I can be an attention hoe. Like I, I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta try to do whatever you can to put other people over. Um, even though you're the one running the platform sometimes, I, I think that's a uh, good advice. So I guess maybe I'd love to kind of like close out with like this topic. It sounds like, well, actually one thing that stood out to me is you, you brushed over it, but I'd love to maybe dig in a little deeper with the Salesforce example. So it sounds like it, it was the Salesforce EA. Is that someone that is currently using base? She will be hopefully. <laughs> See, that's another thing. These are hugely gentle. You want to get in front of big brands, you know, how to host go. them, host them on your show. Um, I think so with, so, oh, this is funny. You'll love this. So she's the EA to the president and COO at Salesforce. And we met her through other, you know, virtual EA communities, Amy Sherman. She is amazing. She started talking about the difference between, and this is a whole other topic, but the difference between an executive assistant and a chief of staff, what that looks like. And she recognized that she needed, in addition to a senior EA on her team, a chief of staff to really have the president and COO be empowered enough. And she starts talking about this chief of staff and she's like, she is the most organized, just, I mean, strategic, amazing person ever. And she found out I was from Indy and I'm like, yeah, I'm from Indy. And she's like, oh, do you know Cindy Morris? And I was like, you kidding me? Like I grew up down the street from her. I dated her brother. I wore her earrings to prom. (laughs) She was my boss at Salesforce. (laughs) And so that was just a funny connection. But to, to bring it back to what you were asking, I think another, another really good tip with these shows and live streaming, like know what you're wanting to get out of it and whether it is to get in, it's obviously, you know, to get in front of your audience and keep them engaged, but use it as a lead gen tool. Like if you're wanting to connect with a brand, start nurturing a brand. I mean, right now you can't really do direct mail campaigns because everyone's at home. So you can't get these people at people's addresses, um, invite them to be on your show and talk about how amazing they are and what wonderful things they're doing. I mean, I can't imagine a better, you know, sales intro than that. And, you know, then get their home address and send them a gift and keep connecting with them. But I would say definitely use it as a lead gen tool. And that's, I mean, if there's always those guests that they're, they're not a customer fit, but they're going to be a fantastic guest for your audience and provide a ton of value. So I think there definitely has to be some sort of balance there, but yeah, use it as a lead demand gen tool. Yeah. It's the whole, like people love uh, when other people give them a platform to talk about all the cool stuff that they're doing and that there's this, you know, element of reciprocity built in where, you know, you can go back and it makes the conversation about using the product that you're, you're selling a little easier after the platform has been given and the relationship has been built. Maybe let's close out with this one. So 
what is, how are you thinking about, obviously it sounds like you're, you're killing it. A lot of people on the live streams, you've got an, a strategy set up where you're bringing on product people after for people that are interested. What else, what else is on your mind or what, what else are you thinking about in terms of, you know, getting your content um, to people, to other EAs who have no idea uh, what base is this year? Yeah. The thing with the live streams, I'm trying to get ahead of, you know, possibly plateauing and just doing the same thing. So I'm like, okay, what, what is the mountaintop here? How do, and also how do we keep up leveling in the meantime? So we're doing all of the things that you have to do, but are not so fun, you know, like SEO audits and making sure everything's optimized there, having, you know, all your pillar pages and your content trickling off of that. So I think, my next step is really looking at how do we create micro content out of all of these different streams and videos that we're pushing out. Are people even still reading blogs? Do I need to be investing time into that? Because at this stage, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, you know, you're either the only marketer or it's you and an agency or whoever. So I think I'm still definitely, you know, retargeting and all that stuff, but I'm trying to balance out the not so fun stuff, but the stuff in the long run pushes you ahead as well as the fun things like live streaming. I love that. It's been a quite the journey from uh, sitting in war rooms, filling out uh, oh RFP, <laughs> RFPs for, uh, here's what, let's just, let's just, <laughs> I'll close it. I got who's who's your favorite exact target rep? Like, who'd you like working with the best? Oh my gosh. I can't believe you would do this to me. Uh, <laughs> well, who's going to get mad at me if I don't say, well, I'm going to have to say, well, Rob Wax, just friggin' legend. Okay. But you were East Coast mainly. Yeah, it's, I, I dealt yeah. with that. that. That I mean, and and that was like my my. Uh, I could I I always bring up that example. It's like I started my career in SaaS, like supporting these East Coast enterprise salespeople, and the lessons learned in that in and of itself. I, I there's there's things Rob still said to me to, that I remember today that I still use. <laughs> Rob's a good one. Oh, he well, you want to know? It's funny. Quick story. So he, um. And, you know, mind you, for those listening, this is all over the phone, like very rarely were they ever in the office. And so, um, meaning like never because, you know, they weren't in Indy. And I remember when Rob was, we were, it was, I think it was connections or one of the conferences and we actually got to meet in person and, you know, we're talking and I, I had either assisted you with a deal or one of his RFPs landed on my desk. And I had been working with him for a year and a half at this point. And he's like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wait, PF Chang's. I used to sit at the bar. I would cut. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, come pow chicken, no green onions. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it was like, I remembered him from like, he was like, no, you were like the best you. And then he knew, you know, my counterpart who I always bartended with. And I was just like, oh my God, he's the best. Him and Rob Thorne. I have to shout out Rob Thorne because um, then, you know, coincidentally, I met my husband a couple of years later and he like basically lived with him out in Australia prior to that. And then when we went to go visit for another exact target reps wedding, him and his family just hosted us and they were like, they're just the best. I, I, I mean, there will never be another, I know people at ET might be sick of hearing this, but it was just such a special, a really special time and a really awesome group of people. Yeah, definitely. And I'd be remiss since you brought up Rob Thorne to not throw the other Rob out there and Rob. 
exactly. We got to get the whole whole trifecta. All the all of them. Sure we get <laughs> all the le- all the legends. Uh, Liz, this was fun. Learned a ton. Thank you so much for sharing your insight. Um, as we get this up and rolling, I'd love to maybe get you back on later this year to talk about how things are going. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited about what you guys are doing. I think it's amazing in any way I can be of assistance or get involved. I'm happy to, happy to do so. Thanks, Liz. Man, that episode makes me want to go get some P.F. Chang's. I'm not even kidding. Some Kung Pao chicken. Oh boy, that was all nostalgic. I'm so thrilled to be talking with people like Liz and hearing the awesome things. I took some notes. Hopefully you took some notes. You had your notepad out. Definitely, if you like what you heard on this one, hit the subscribe button on the 3C podcast. I'm curating content creators, man. I'm bringing them to you. You're you're not going to want to miss out. That is starting off this series with a bang. A lot of energy there. So definitely hit subscribe. Definitely go check us out. Check out my personal handle. I'll be promoting what we're doing at Fathom. I'm going to be talking about the show at Indy McGrath. Check us out at Meet Fathom. Give us a follow there. Uh, we're going to be stepping our game up there and check out some content at meetfathom.com. We're going to be bringing it hard. Everyone, take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we will talk to you real soon. Real soon.